0: Mr. Chacha pins. you are listening to
1: Behind the Lens. And yes, you are listening to Behind the Lens as we are in the countdown to Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Welcome to yet another edition of Behind the Lens. I'm film critic, creator and host Debbie Elias. Uh, and here again for yet another week, Counting Down 2017 as well. Wow, hard to believe that the year is almost over. Um, But here we are and here we shall be for the next couple weeks before... The big boss at the radio station decides that he doesn't want to pay Pam holiday pay for Christmas and New Year's. So we won't be here on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. But then we'll be back uh, in January, January 8th, to kick off our fourth year uh, of Behind the Lens. But today, you know, we've had some really great shows, incredible guests of late. Jacob Cornbluth last week talking saving capitalism. Again, in light of the tax bill that currently went through in the House, I can't encourage you strongly enough to see Saving Capitalism with Robert Reich. Um, It will really give you a better understanding of what is happening in Washington right now. Uh, There is another documentary that's coming out this week from John Maggio. It is called The Newspaper Man, The Life and Times of Ben Bradley. Those of you old enough to remember when print newspapers were at their height and journalists at, truly did become superstars because of investigative reporting. Ben Bradley was editor of The Washington Post, had one of the most illustrious careers as a newspaper man, as an editor, going back before the days of JFK. Um, the documentary is outstanding and it takes you through uh, the newspaper world and Ben Bradley's world and the world of reporting, covering some of the most seminal events of our time, including the Vietnam War and, of course, Watergate. And I've got to tell you, having seen the film, watch, go see it, see it, see it, see it. It is out this week, I believe, in theaters and on HBO, I believe. Um, but you will actually see the Nixon playbook unfolding. Page by page by page, in today's uh, political uh, political scenario, it is when they say history repeats itself. Trust me, you watch this, and you're gonna you're think you're gonna think it's deja vu all over again. So, a, an incredible doc. Please go see that. And again, saving capitalism. Today we've got some incredible guests on here uh, coming up shortly at the quarter hour mark. Talking about a new web series and comic book. This is very exciting that we have the comic book web series, live action web series, uh, multimedia experience going on here for Rusty Revolver. This is a kick in the butt. I got to tell you, it is so much fun. Writer-director Paul Morell is joining us. The star, Rusty Revolver himself, Anton Troy, is joining us. And I've got to just let you know, it's a thrill to have Anton join us uh, for the show. He comes, he has a very uh, a, a great pedigree in Hollywood. Uh, his grandfather, a wonderful stuntman, Bob Volkerson. And ironically, Bob worked with quite a few of the guys that helped mentor me 40 years ago when I came out here uh, to L.A. in the business. And uh, so it's it's a real thrill to have Anton joining us today, and Vernon Wells of Power Rangers fame. Uh, He will Rancic in Power Rangers. He also very storied career going back to to the early days of Fall Guy MacGyver and films like Inner Space and Weird Science. But also, and then. A small little indie film that I fell in love with a number of years ago called True Loved that he's in. But now he is here as, of course, the heavyweight in Rusty Revolver. Hmm. And at the half hour mark, we've got actor Sterling Knight joining us. Sterling, you may remember, we were talking about a few weeks ago when Richard Shankman was on the program. uh, Talk about his film, The Man from Earth, Holocene. Sterling is one of the standout actors in that film. Well, now he is another standout in a slightly different film with a rom-com nature uh, called Different Flowers. So we're going to have Sterling here today as well. Very, very thrilled to have all of these wonderful guests today. But before we get to them, you know, in a galaxy far, far away known as somewhere in Los Angeles this weekend, there was a press junket for Star Wars The Last Jedi, No, I have not seen the movie, and even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Um, We had a press conference with the cast and director, Ryan Johnson. Couldn't get too much information. Nobody gave up any spoilers, but did give us an inkling of what we might expect in terms of tone, where the film may be taking us, and... Possibly, how does the darkness compare with that that we saw in The Empire Strikes Back? So take a listen to what was elicited from Ryan Johnson, Mark Hamill, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, and Andy Serkis about Star Wars The Last Jedi.
2: Well, I uh, and first of all, thank thank you guys for all coming. This is very very exciting. Uh, I uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, th- it's it's you know it's a second movie in the trilogy, and I think we've been kind of trained to expect it'll be a little darker, and obviously it looks a little darker. And it, 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 the thing is, though, it it for me, I loved the tone that was a step that um, of the original films, and also that JJ c- captured in the Force Awakens of Fun And that's like, to me, it's a Star Wars movie. First and foremost, we were trying to make it feel like a Star Wars movie. And that means you have the intensity and you've got the opera. But it also means that it makes you come out of the theater wanting to run in your backyard, grab your spaceship toys, and f- make them fly around, you know. And that's a key ingredient to it. So, so we're going to go to some intense places in the movie, but I, I hope also it's fun, it's funny. I don't know, you guys have... Hmm. My answer will be in direct proportion to the amount of screen time I have. <laughs> yes. I think that the the story's, the story's moving moving
3: forward. Um, I just feel like the, JJ had a blueprint, a foundation of Force Awakens that was pretty good, and uh, now it's about. <laughs> it was, it was good. And now it's about you know moving forward with the story and um, just challenging the characters, and then all the characters are under intense um, um, pressure, and so it's a uh, it's a timing which everyone has their own specific reckoning, and it's all different, it's like a lot going on. I've only watched it once, and the
0: first thing is that I want to watch it again because of the amount of information and Easter eggs in there as well.
2: Yeah, I think the thing uh, as well is that with um, often with the second chapter in in a story of three, because the first one kind of sets the tone and the world and the new characters, uh, it introduces them. In the second one, you get to you don't have to spend so much time doing that. You can really just delve into uh, into the story, into what's happening, like John said, to the conflict of each of the characters. I think what Ryan's done so incredibly well is that he's challenged deeply every single character, including the droids, <laughs> you know, with like, the, the biggest challenges they've ever faced, and, and that's how you're able to really get to to learn about them on, on all sides of the spectrum, from light to dark. You know, it's like uh, he he's found a way to... Get to the central, uh, the central point of that character, and try to challenge them as best as he can. I think it's a really, uh, really amazing way he's mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> done. <laughs>
4: Thank you. Um, I mean, the biggest thing for me when I read the script, because you know, there's, even though you try and avoid what people are saying, uh, the it's hard to. And um, because people responded well to John and I as a team, I was a bit nervous about not being a team so much in this one. So I think for me personally it was more it was a challenge um, the film was a challenge and it was I, I don't know what it was like for anyone else but to be in different uh, combinations of people so in itself we're already you know we're in different situations we're with different people that we are learning about we're meeting uh, for the first time so um, yeah it felt pretty different for
5: me I mean I, I, I was blown away when I saw the movie I just was, it was so caught up with it not not least because it was really intimate and very emotional and I wasn't expecting that at all. I mean, I mean I knew obviously that it would that it was going to go that way but it's very very powerful and it touches you and what Ryan's done incredibly is to make this dance between the, the you know tonally dance you know between these great kind of epic moments and, and hilarious Antics, you know, literally flipping on a dime and, and, then, and then going right into the heart of, of, of these beautiful characters and, and, and you really caring. And I think that, that was, for me, I think has been, you know, that, that was, that's my, was my takeaway. It was just an extraordinary um, viewing. You know, I, uh,
0: I was so... I was delighted by the film and what I was surprised by was that Star Wars has always been... I think the reason why it's resonated with us all so deeply is that it's our foundation story of good against evil and where that balance is and how we see elements of characters we've never seen before things that can be unexpected but there is something about this film and I think it's because the world that we live in is a changing and evolving place that it retains the simplicity of those elements but it really resonates with what it is to follow your own human dark, narcissistic tendencies, where that will take you. Mm.
6: Um,
0: and, and I love that. It, and it's, it's done so beautifully aesthetically, too. Mm. And just
1: based on Gwendolyn Christie talking about uh, the beautiful aesthetics, I, myself, I can't wait to see Star Wars The Last Jedi. It is in theaters on the 15th of December. But I think it's worthy pointing out Andy Serkis talking about the tonal dance that he sees in the film, and that all of us will see. You know, Andy has an incredible eye, not only given his years of, exper- of, of experience in the industry, but also he has now stepped behind the camera with his directorial debut with Breathe. Uh, those of you that have not seen it, I can't encourage you enough. It is a it's an exquisitely exquisitely done film, both, both visually and emotionally uh but you know Andy no secret he plays supreme leader snoke uh in star wars the last jedi but this is a big year for Andy circus uh a, an incredible performance in war for planet of the apes as caesar uh his final performance as caesar uh directing breathe and now the last jedi so it is It's a great year for Andy Serkis, and I've never seen him do anything bad. Uh, So, especially based on what he was saying, just piques my curiosity and anticipation even more for Star Wars The Last Jedi. And while we're waiting for all of our boys to call in on a rusty revolver, let's take a listen to the ultimate question that was asked during the press conference yesterday. And, of course... All roads lead to Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia so for the for the female cast members um Daisy Gwendolyn, Laura Dern, and Kelly Marie Tran, you know they were asked what Leia has meant to them, and in another vein, Laura Dern took it into what Carrie meant, so. In one second, Pam is going to bring that up for you, while the boys are slowly calling in and she's tying lines together for us. So let's take a listen to the impact of Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia on our female cast of Star Wars: The Last Jedi.
2: Well, I uh, and first of all, thank, thank you guys for all coming. This is very very exciting.
0: Same one. So yeah, it's it's you know it's a second. Uh Uh-oh, boo-boo. Well, she was very significant (laughs) because I was first shown A New Hope when I was six. And I remember thinking, wow, that character's really different. I I watched TV and film obsessively from such a young age. But it stayed with me throughout my formative years of she's really interesting. She's really smart. She's really funny. She's She's courageous. She's bold. She doesn't care what people think. And she isn't prepared to be told what to do. And she doesn't look the same as a sort of homogenized presentation of a woman that we had been used to seeing. So that was really instrumental to me as someone that didn't feel like they fitted that homogenized view of what a woman was supposed to be, that there was inspiration there. That you could be an individual and celebrate yourself and be successful without without giving yourself over, without necessarily making some sort of terrible huge compromise. Uh, So it was a a big inspiration for me. And, you know, to play a character as well from what we've seen in The Force Awakens, I was very excited when I was shown just the basic element of the costume. And here we were seeing a character whereby a woman wasn't, her femininity was not delineated in terms of the shape of her body, Mm -hmm. in terms of her physical attractiveness, those elements that weird, random group of elements which we're born with. It's some kind of odd lottery and then we're judged on in society. And I was just delighted to be able to have that opportunity. Well, endless thoughts and
6: uh, and also um, you know a profound impact that she made on me as a girl. I mean, spoken so beautifully by Gwen, so I I'll just speak to um this present experience, to say um, that, her, as we always had with Carrie, mm-hmm. not just Leah, her uh, wisdom. And you know, people speak about people who are brave or fearless. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I've known, luckily, a few people that would hold those descriptions, but not that they would be without shame. And that's what moved me the most about the, the icon she gave us, but also what she gave us individually and personally, which is to carry who she was so directly and to be without shame and to share her story and to expect nothing less from any of us. And the privilege of watching how Ryan has so beautifully captured all of that and her grace and this amazing, beautiful, pure performance, but also I think she found an equal uh, irreverent subversive, and they had this dance that gives us this performance that I was just so moved by.
4: Um, I don't think I can really follow that, except to just say (laughs) if um, uh, Carrie's daughter, Billy, is, I think, all of those qualities. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's smart and funny and shameless and,
6: and wonderful
4: <laughs> and, and i think if and i think if carrie bringing up a uh, a daughter obviously with brian bringing up a daughter who is all of those qualities and then some in this world um if that's what she did you know just her being her uh, i think it speaks volumes to what she did as her in in the spotlight and also her as um leia
6: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. um, I mean, I agree with everything that was said. I think that uh, something about Carrie that I really look up to um, is, and something I didn't realize until recently was just how much courage it takes to truly be yourself when you're on a public platform or when possibly a lot of people will be looking at you. And she was so unapologetic. And so openly herself, and that is something that I am really trying to do, and it's hard. Um, and just like Daisy said, like Laura said, like Gwendolyn said, I think that she will always be an icon as Leia, but also as Gary. Mm-hmm. Um, what an example, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I am so fortunate to have met her, and uh, I think that she will really live on forever.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: And those were the ladies of the Last Jedi, uh, and very, very emotional in the room. I can, I can tell you that it was very emotional as they talked about Carrie. And uh, but right now we are going to bring on the men of Rusty Revolver. And let's see that I Paul's on. Yes. And Anton's there. And. Hello. Hi, and and Vernon's there. All three of you are there. Hello, boys. Welcome.
5: Hello. Good morning. Good Hello, morning, Debbie.
1: I mean, how? I mean, now I don't know. This is a tough one. You you got to follow up the cast of Star Wars here.
7: <laughs> I mean, hey, we are so excited to be on the Star Wars episode. I think it's awesome.
1: <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you guys here, Rusty Revolver. This is so fun. And, Anton, I have to tell you, as I said at the top of the show, for it's a real thrill for me to have you on the show uh, because I am well familiar with your grandfather's legacy. Bob Fulkerson was an excellent stuntman, did a ton of the TV westerns plus feature films, worked with a lot of the guys that mentored me uh, on Second Unit. Wow. With, when I first came. Wow. So, you know, to now get to talk to you knowing... That he is part that you know the connection through the stunt world. You know, I'm I'm just so honored to have you, and I'm so so thrilled to see you following in the industry in a multi generational capacity. Because if I'm not mistaken, your mom is a stunt woman too. Well, my aunt's a stunt your aunt, woman, aunt is okay.
7: Cindy yeah, and then uh, my mom was a children's entertainer and professional mime, so I have a very colorful upbringing. Yeah, I mean, your
1: aunt—your aunt did stunts in Titanic, did she not?
7: Yeah, she did yep. stunts in Titanic. She was uh, Jane Seymour's stunt double on Medicine Woman yep. for a number of years, and uh, you know a bunch of stuff. She's got a resume as long as both arms.
1: Well, and you're starting so young that you're going to end up with a resume longer than all of them. So, and I'm so thrilled Rust- Rusty Revolver is on there. I've got to ask you guys. Where did the idea for this come from? Did the the se- idea for the series come first or the comic graphic novel? Because I just I love the multimedia platforming and it is the comic looks incredible with the illustrations and the use of color and then the visuals on the show look fabulous with Roy Studley's cinematography. So Thank you. Whoever whoever started this bonanza tell me tell me tell me <laughs>
3: Well Anton and I disagree about when it started but we do agree We sure do. We disagree on the time frame but uh we we came up with it together and it was gosh I feel like it was like 7 years ago he thinks it's like 5 years ago but it was just us Sitting at a restaurant one night, uh, chatting back and forth and coming up with ideas of things
7: that we could do that would be cool and fun. So, and, and what we like- had the title to start with. That's that's what I remember. We thought "Rusty Revolver." What a cool name! We'll get what happens <laughs> next, and <then> that <laughs> that started a journey over. I say the next five years. And we also Paul and I disagree because I say it was in his car. We were hanging out. But, um, you know, it's all history, and uh, it was just a natural evolution. You know, we we brought on a writer named Alejo Ramirez, who's done a great job, and we just started meeting, you know, every week and trying to figure out, okay, who is this guy? What happens to him? What are the characters like? And it just evolved organically over time so a lot of frustration.
1: Whose idea was it for Rusty to love Westerns and to now seek vengeance for his parents' death thanks to the mean and nasty deacon uh, well, as a cowboy that
3: actually that actually came out of when i was a child i used to always watch westerns with my dad and um on saturday mornings and my boys i have a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old and from the time they were born my my Dad would do the same thing with them, and uh would sit on Saturday mornings and they would watch westerns anytime we were over at my parents' house but that's kind of where it all kind of started the The whole story of Rusty witnessing his parents' death uh kind of came out of that mm-hmm. and, um, originally, it was supposed that they were going to bust in while he was actually watching with his dad. But um, that obviously morphed into something else. If you've seen the piece,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Well, I'm curious then for you, Vernon, because yes. you know you're now moving through the generations here. It's like a, an entire generation of fans, uh, you know, w- grew up with you on within Power Rangers, and uh-huh. you know, and you keep moving. You've gone into horror. You've done action. Now you're like bringing everything together here with something that. We'll have, I think, even though there's a lot of violence, I, I'm sure there will be some younger appeal, but very adult, adult appeal, but that taps into the child within. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm really interested with your journey and how you have now landed in Rusty Revolver.
5: Um, I think that I was um, probably stoned and not, not really feeling well when they <laughs> talked to me, and uh, I said yes. Um, no, I, uh, Anton and I have been friends for quite a while, um, and uh, he just one day rang up and said, Look, we're writing this series, and, and we've written this part for you. Would you read it? And I said, Sure, send it to me. And uh, he sent me a a draft, and I read it, and I loved it. I thought it was really interesting, and I thought that I could make the character interesting. And so we talked about it. And um, to me, the the thing about Deacon is that Deacon is bad, but he's not viciously cruel bad. Mm -hmm. He's, He's like... Um, he has his own morality. And I mean, to me, the scene when I have the little gunfight with uh, Rusty and um, I walk over uh, and kiss him on the forehead and tell him that one day he will come looking for me, you know, and I'll be waiting. I think that says it all. And this is young Rusty for anybody that hasn't seen it yet.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's young
1: Rusty. Yes.
5: Yeah, it's young Rusty. And um, I think that that says it all about Deacon. That's that's Deacon is not going to hurt the kid because he, he's to him he's an innocent, he's not involved. His parents were the two that did the, the wrong thing and they're the two that have to pay the penalty for it. So I think he has his own morality and I think that's what makes the character work and it's what helps us, the series work because it's not just all out bang, bang, shoot him up, kill everybody and mm-hmm. walk away and go, yeah, that was fun. It's got, a, it's got a moral base to it of which we have to follow through, and I, I, that's why I'm enjoying it.
1: Well, I mean, I absolutely love the character of Deacon, and we have the kitchen scene with the bacon, which had me in stitches as, it, oh, bacon in the refrigerator, and then you've got to fry up bacon. <laughs> Didn't occur to me why you, were, why you wanted to fry up the bacon. I was just so enjoying the humor of what you were doing in character but as you said you know the you know as deacon is engaging with young rusty and their and you know with the toy you know cap gun and then after it he just gets picked up and put down in the living room to watch sunset comanche on television i mean there's a real as you said deacon has a morality it's his own morality but he will not hurt a child nope. and it, it adds a human factor that creates this real ambiguity within deacon that i can't wait to see where he goes in this series
5: it'll be fun and and unfortunately my my whole career depends on these two idiots that you've got on the phone oh my <laughs> god doing it right way you know. <laughs> well, i could be like left hanging out there and, and just totally destroyed, you know. We'll and never know. I'll be
1: heartbroken if that happens. <laughs> I will I will no. truly be heartbroken, Vernon, if they do that to you.
5: I No, I think it's going to be fun. They, they're, they they i love working with them because they have both got this in, insane desire. To be involved with this project, it's like it, it's bigger than they are, and it's it's kind of like this monster that they're chasing that they they want to uh, hunt down, and I love it. I think it's just so, so great to work with people like that.
1: Yeah, well, I've got to ask you, Paul, because as I mentioned, you know, your visuals. I love your visual tonal bandwidth in the show. What you and Royce came up with is wonderful. You've got. The young, the young, rusty scenes that Thank set you. the stage. We've got this more sepia tone, but not quite a sepia. Um, but it's in that that color vein. But then red. You pop out the red on Deacon's apron because heaven knows you must wear an apron when you're cooking so you don't splatter for yourself. <laughs> um, you you throw in all these fun things that interject humor, in which also tempers what is to come right. and any violence, and I really love that and appreciate that. That's a very, that's a tightrope walk to pull that off. And awesome, you, you,
7: thank you. And you, yeah. you
1: do it so well, but coming up with the visual tonal bandwidth, your camera angles, very, very creative. You've got a lot of dutching. You've got crane shots, or if you're using drones, but the overheads, really visually appealing. So how did you guys design this?
3: Uh, how did we design it? That's a fun question. I, <laughs> You know, Anton has said it the best, I think. We took everything that we found cool from our childhood and we executed it. Um, we put it all together, threw it against the wall, and that's what we came out with. Um, we actually had a full two days of shooting that didn't turn out and um we built that look in the in the edit bay because those two days were under we had two full days underexposed and um we had to basically make do with what we had and we used those limitations for as an advantage and created the different looks
1: well and what you because so much of it and we don't we don't really see rusty's face you know, you make great use of light, of shadow, darkness, and negative space here so that when we see something like a flaming lariat, you just go, oh, you're gobsmacked.
3: <laughs> it, it, that, that fire whip is pretty, pretty insane. And... um that's Anthony DeLongis. He brought that to the table and that's that's his baby and he's been developing that for a long time and just waiting for somewhere to put it
7: and we were super stoked to uh add it to Rusty's character.
1: Oh my god. We were like little
7: kids when we when we saw the video originally when Anthony became a part of the project, we're like, Oh my god, we gotta figure out how to use that. That is so cool. We had like totally like geeked out when we saw it and um you know, it's it's like you said too, Debbie with with uh, you know, Rusty not being seen much, we deliberately did that, and that's one of the hardest things to do as as an actor, is because we kept cutting my dialogue out of it. <laughs> but I knew, I knew, in in order for it to work, you know, like you watch these old Clint Eastwood movies from the from the '70s. My favorite Clint Eastwood film is High Plains Drifter. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Such a great kind of dark tale. There's a whip in it for anybody that's familiar with that film. But um, he doesn't say a whole lot. Nope. You know, Clint Eastwood, is, he's, he's just got that aura of cool. And I think most really good vigilantes that I grew up with or can recall, a lot of times they don't say a whole lot because they don't need to say a whole lot. Well, right. So we had to kind of put it into the movement and the way that Rusty reacts with the world. And even the whip became a huge part of how he interacts with everybody. It was
3: a fight, too. I mean, not not a bad fight, but a good fight. We uh, were constantly struggling with how to bring character to Rusty without the dialogue. And um, I, we felt like Alejo did a fantastic job of of bringing all that together with the rest of the characters and creating a world around Rusty that he really could shine in without a lot of dialogue.
1: Yeah, you know, and I bet that so far, you know, Deacon is quite thrilled that he hasn't had to experience the fire whip yet.
5: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about that, actually. <laughs>
1: see, for all I know, we could we could we could see in the future, you know, we've got Rusty with a fire whip and you with a flaming, you know, slab of bacon in your hand. I don't know oh, here.
5: I'm, I'm dangerous in a kitchen, dude. Just you get me in that kitchen. You're in trouble.
1: But with you guys, I, I'm thinking anything is possible here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how long, you know, was, did you shoot the first episode before you went into post? And having said you lost full day, two full days because the footage just was, it was underdeveloped. This is a prime example of when directors talk about, filmmaking television and you say a film can can be saved or destroyed in the editing room this is a case where a project was saved in the editing room
3: yeah i mean we shot for five days it was a five-day shoot originally was supposed to be four days and then we lost two days and uh we ended up rewriting the ending uh to salvage as much as we could from those two days and then um shot that final day, the fifth day, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, it's hard to say we completely lost those two days, because we didn't completely lose it, we used a lot of, a lot of it, but we, uh, it actually worked in our favor, because once we got into bay and we realized we had to do those pickups that last day, it forced us to um, take the story even further, and um, I feel like we we really knocked it out of the park, and had we have kept those first two days that we shot, um we wouldn't have had that ending that we had so oh we got
1: the end i mean i'm just waiting i'm waiting for you know more episodes do we have more coming
7: hint yes, hint hint <laughs> 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 yes we're currently working on uh, the next 5 okay now and the next 5 issues of the comic book
1: yeah. Now, talk to me about the comic. Obviously, the comic, from what you're saying, it sounds like it came to fruition after the series idea.
3: It was all. It all came about at the same time. The concept for Rusty Revolver came out of Anton and I, and neither one of us are, are writers per se. So it, uh, we spent the first couple years just really going through different people trying to find someone who could bring bring this this universe to life and uh hunter carson one of the producers um actually was the originator of the idea of doing a comic book and our idea was to take this to conventions and um we felt like the comic book would be a great way to do it and we actually did produce the comic before we shot the first episode
7: Mm -hmm.
1: i mean i love the comic i i mean i think i think it's great and I awesome think thing. your use of color within the comic, it's a little more vibrant. You stick with your primary colors where you have color. You've got your blue, your yellow, your red. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so you create a very distinctive look. And the illustrations themselves, very, yeah, very that's... distinctive.
3: Yeah, um, the illustrations... Oh, it's slipping me. What is... Anton what's his name JT Dockery JT, JT Dockery did the the illustrations and um we went through several guys before I landed on JT and uh he really knocked it out of the park like I, the thing that I loved that he did a he did the cover art first and that's what made me decide to go with him because it was just it was he does everything by pencil and by hand and there's no digital work from him at all And, um, in fact, it was more work getting it scanned, I think, than getting it drawn. Um, But he's completely old school, and uh, he's got this horror just bloody, dirty look to his his art. And I I fell in love with it, and I thought it was different than everything that you see on the market today.
1: Oh, it really is. It, It harkens to decades gone by.
3: It re- yeah, he would. He would appreciate that.
1: It really has that, <laughs> and, you know. And I'm old enough to remember those decades, so you know, I know of what I speak. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, I'm. I'm curious here. You know, Vernon, you have been involved yep. in so many projects over the course of your career so far. I'm. You know, what is it that attracts you to a project? So many actors will say, "Oh, it's a director." They'll say, "It's a script." You know, you have such a diverse palette of work that I'm curious, what is it that draws you to a project?
5: Um, most times, uh, there's, there's a couple of things that draw me to a project. I love working with people I like. Um, so Even I'm though you're drawn... working with these two? well i i 've convinced myself there there 's somebody else, so that 's fine uh, works well yeah, it works well for me uh so no i I love working with people that I like to be around, so that 's one of my big um concerns because there 's nothing worse than doing a film where all you want to do is get away from it, so I always want to be happy where I am and doing it and the second thing is i 'm drawn to characters that I know I can add to. Uh, What you see on the page is not what you're going to get on the the film or on the series or whatever. Um, So if I can add, if I can take that character and look at it and go, oh, yeah, I can play with this, I can do this with it, Um, and I can do that. I'm sure both the guys will agree that when we first started this, my character was nothing like how it finished. There was a lot of, of things went into making him. The way he became. I mean, they did an amazing job of giving me everything I needed to create mm-hmm. what I, I created, um, and that's what I love, and that's what draws me to a project where i can I can participate and put something on the table that's a little unique, a little different, and because, um, like you said, you know, I've I've done so much that I've kind of been there, done that, and I I, I prefer to be able to add rather than subtract now, make it better, make it bigger, make it work. And I think the great thing about the whole thing with, with uh, the rusty revolver is that in every character that's in it, there is this sense of humanity in them. You see them as real people. I mean, you know, you're talking about that, that scene in the kitchen. It's a fun scene, and how many people have you seen walk into a kitchen who really have no no good reason to be in the kitchen because they're pretty much useless but he seems to know exactly what he's doing and he has this whole thing about cooking bacon and then you find (laughs) out why but it's just a really cool little way to develop the character and give him all these little places to go the the little showdown with with young rusty all of those things to me are what makes the character work you know he could be, and I mean the opening scene I love is where they're all on the bed together. Mm-hmm. I think that is just <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> that that it was idea. <laughs> that yeah, was it totally idea. Yeah, that establishes right there the characters. You establish all those characters right there mm-hmm. in that two minutes.
1: Yeah, you're not sure exactly what the parents did. You know that it involves money. You know something untoward has happened. And you know they owe Deacon, and he's not happy.
5: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's done so quick. It's mm-hmm. like, bang, there it is, and, and you don't have to think about it.
1: There's a great efficiency uh, with the editing here that keeps things at, at moving at a nice pace so that when you have it, it makes a scene like that work even better when everything is very contained within a, an intimate shot, and, you know, so you're not wasting time on, ex- on unnecessary exposition.
5: Mm-hmm. No, I, I think they did <laughs> a wonderful <laughs> job. The, the whole team, I think, did an incredible job uh, with what, what they started off with and how it finished up. I think it was, it's just wonderful. And it's all kudos to to both of uh, Anton and Paul and the, and the rest of the team for the fact that they – with nothing, they got out there and, and created something. And that's, that's something that I love being involved in.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, Anton, what do you look for, you know, with a role? Is this one of the contributing factors to doing your own project, like Rusty Revolver with Paul, creating something that you want to do as opposed to, you know, searching for through ho-hum, you know, things that might come your way?
7: Well, you know, it's interesting, um, and thank you for asking me that, because it's it's important to me to really, like Vernon was saying, flex my artistic muscle, and, you know, like, my, my coach is actually Barbara Bain, if you know who that is.
1: Absolutely.
7: Uh, Emmy Award winner, and, you know, Actors Studio, and all that, so we work really hard on trying to create characters, and create, you know, something of substance, and really exploring, also, like Vernon was saying, where something can go, so... You know, being a young, good-looking guy, I, you know, a lot of times they want to cast me as, you know, the jerk or the jock <laughs> or the douchebag or something like that.
1: Yes, this <laughs> is what we honest, do with all like, young, good-looking guys. Yes, okay.
7: <laughs> exactly. Or the idiot or something. So, you know, I really <laughs> wanted to kind of be able to fabricate something that I felt like I could show different parts of even just my palette, things that I think are cool, you know. Uh, a character like Rusty Revolver, I don't feel like unless I would have created it, Paul and I created it together, especially with Alejo, and kind of created this universe and surround it with such wonderful actors and whatnot would be something that I would probably be considered for. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had a breakdown that came out or my agent or whatnot, you know, they would probably not necessarily consider me first. So that was one of the things I think as an actor in this day and age, it's so important to you know, think outside the box. Because, you know, if you have that capability to produce, you have that business mindset as well. You know, don't wait for somebody to create the perfect role for you. You know, go ahead and start to really like put your your mind together, create a team of people that believe in you and also have the same vision and do things that inspire you. And that's what we've done with this particular project. And when I look at roles, it's the same thing. I want something that you know, I can have some fun with. It's not one-dimensional. There's somewhere to go with it. And I think even with Rusty Revolver, the audience is going to see a lot of stuff that comes out in further episodes where we kind of get to see who he is as a man, who he is when he's becoming a man, and how he struggles with his moral code and kind of like even how he lives his daily life.
1: Well, see, I'm anxious to see how Rusty lives his daily life. <laughs> I, I think this is going to be very interesting, and I also hope we get some insight into what happened to Rusty after the death of his parents. Since obviously Deacon was not moral enough to take him with him and raise him after leaving him parentless. That's
7: interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't give too much away, but the comic books are actually standalones, which was Paul's. Idea, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. Yeah. But well, Derek, you know, everything is kind of kind of a standalone product, uh, product. So the comic books will be covering. Actually, I'm going I'm to give it to you, Paul. You can kind of say like it's 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 the background of Rusty's childhood up until yeah he sort of becomes, I mean that's pretty
3: much it. The idea was um, to everything should stand alone. So. You can watch the series and understand everything that's going on. You can read the comic book and understand everything that's going on, but they're not repeat duplicates of each other. And so, like, the comic takes place between the death of – in fact, the first page of the comic is actually the death of his parents. And then the comic book takes place, at least this first series, takes place from the death of his parents until he becomes Rusty Revolver.
1: Oh, all right.
3: So it's we're we're really really proud of it and I think it's a lot of fun.
1: So now how many issues of the comic are available?
3: Just one right now. We're uh We are an independent production, and we are doing it all ourselves, and uh, so it takes us a little bit longer than a month to kick out an issue. (laughs) Well, I I
1: find that highly unacceptable, boys, highly unacceptable. You know, it's like I finished reading this one. I want another one now. I finished seeing the first episode. I want another one now.
7: We do, too. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. Warner Brothers might call us tomorrow, and then we'll have plenty for you by next week
1: well no then it'll probably take two years if you get into the studio system it will not be expeditious i am sure
3: it actually took us it took us a year to get the comic book
2: uh,
5: wow
3: finished and uh yeah i mean you know jt was a rock star and he did it nights and weekends basically for us and uh (laughs) He cranked out what he could, but we were getting, or as fast as he could, I should say, but we were getting, I don't know, a couple pages a week, and um, once we locked down the script with Alejo and uh, the layout with J.T., and then it took, the color was done by J.R. Gervais, and he, gosh, he did that in actually a week, but um,
1: wow, actually
3: getting all the drawings and the, the final pencils and the ink done were, uh, was quite a process.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Well, I know you're not waiting around for other projects to come. I know Vernon definitely isn't, because he must have 30 things upcoming in which...
5: (laughs) Yeah, the odd little thing.
1: Do you ever stop working, Vernon? No. I mean, you have so many projects coming out. I know it's like a one-off here, a one-off there. But still, you're getting into a different character every time you're undertaking... And walking into a new role.
5: Yeah, I, I, I just, it, it's funny. I, I enjoy what I do. I asked a friend of mine, a very good friend who's an, a director who tends to use me quite a lot. And one day I said to him, I said, why do you keep using me? You know, I mean, every time you got a bloody movie going, you're on the phone telling me and offering me something. And he said, yeah, well, finally you decided to grow up, so now you're worth hiring.
2: <laughs> so
5: I, I, I guess that's kind of it I I went through the stages of being an actor to the stage of, of being a, a grown-up doing a job and I think that's where it's at now I just love what I do I love being involved and I love working with people that I like so I couldn't ask for anything more I mean, my God, it's it's a dream come true for me
1: uh, well I mean Vernon, I have loved watching you in, in so many things over the years. Going all the way back to Fall Guy, as a matter of fact.
5: Oh, good Lord.
1: Um I had I I spent some time <laughs> on the set myself uh, ah. of Fall Guy. But you know, I have to say, a, a little the little indie film you did, I guess in two thousand seven or nine, somewhere in there, True Loved, a oh, really yeah. heartfelt little film. And I just loved your performance in there as the coach.
5: Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, my wife, who is my uh, biggest critic of everything I do, as Anton knows, um, when I did that film, I was a little concerned to do it in the first place because I didn't know whether it would be a preachy movie or whether it would be a nice film to watch it turned out to be a brilliant little film mm-hmm. and um when i finished it and we went to the screening uh grace turned to me and she said that's one of the best things you've ever done be very proud
1: yeah i mean that and i
5: was like wow
1: you know i i have to tell you that when i when it was first um when the publicist first had hit me up for that film and you know they send you pitches sometime or a blast about oh the, this is a great film this is why it's great And I always, I just ignore those. I have learned in thirty years, I ignore those because I don't, I don't want a sales pitch. Just let me decide for myself what it is. And I was found that film so charming, Vernon, and and so heartfelt, and to see you in a turn like that after some of your other, you know, works that were less. Less quiet, shall we say?
5: Yes, a little more rowdy. Um, you know, it,
1: it it really was it really was a delight, and you know, so I'm all I'm always looking forward to anything that you do because of what you bring and the diversity of the roles that you take. You know, and now we have this youngster that you're working with that hopefully you can uh, you can imbue some of this ethic on.
5: Huh. He's he's, he's 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 impossible. Seriously, I mean, it's it's a lost cause. I've I've given up with trying to change him. <laughs> no, I, I think Anton um, is is just wonderful to be around and to work with both Paul and Anton. They're just wonderful to be around and to work with. And Anton brings that same joy of who he is, what he is, and what he's doing to the set. Uh, which is really fun, and he's he's up for anything. I mean, if you say let's do this hanging from the ceiling, he's like, oh, okay, let's <laughs> give it a shot, see how it looks. I mean, he he just he's got that that wonderful attitude that you love in people. And Paul's very similar. I mean, if you say to Paul, how about I stand over here and I set the uh, I, I light the stove and it burns my my uh, arm off while we're doing the scene? Would that work? And he'll go. Eh. Can we look at it first? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they're both a pleasure to be around and to work with, and they they tend to attract really good talent. So everybody else in the cast was great uh, to work with, um, all of them. And that that I think just goes to show how much they're appreciated, mm-hmm. and and they've got these amazing people around them, and that's. That's where it starts. I mean, this thing's just gonna keep going and it's gonna get bigger and better and I just hope that when it starts to catch on that they don't lose that spirit of um of of the, the one out, the guy against the world attitude mm-hmm. that they've got at the moment. If they keep that I think the whole thing is just gonna be brilliant. Yeah. Oh. Uh, thanks Vernon. That's
3: really awesome. It we're we're we are super blessed and lucky to have the people Involved in this project that have come on board and um, have countless amounts of people have donated time and energy towards the project. And um, it's, yeah, we're super lucky.
1: Well, you know, I'm super lucky to have had you guys on the show today for multiple reasons, but also because our other guest still has not called. So you get to stay on the phone. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> he was supposed to call 20 hey. minutes ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the
7: extended <well. laughs> Rusty segment. Here we go.
1: So, yeah, so, okay, so it's become, you know, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and Rusty Revolver. Uh,
7: yeah. That is a great pairing, in my opinion. Uh,
1: well, I I think it's a great pairing, too. So, I, I want to, since I asked, you know, because, you know, Vernon's got so so much on his plate, and he keeps going, Paul, what else are you working on besides Rusty Revolver right now? Or is this like your full time passion?
3: This has pretty much been my full time passion uh, since January of this year. Um, I pay my bills editing
7: mm-hmm. and
3: uh, do commercials, uh, a lot of infomercials, and um, but anything, any other, any free time I have, I, I devote towards this. I do have another another property that I've. Um, acquired, called Lazy Eye, and um, we're writing it right now to kind of incorporate all into the same universe, and um, I've mentioned it to Vernon, but Deacon does appear in, <gasps> in this detective series.
1: Ooh. Mm-hmm. A twofer. Oh, A twofer, Vernon.
5: <laughs> I know. Wow. Every man's <laughs> dream. Oh, no. Sorry. Wrong wrong, wrong station. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, so now, so everybody can experience the same wonder that I have experienced in watching Rusty Revolver. They can all find, where Absolutely. can they, where can they find it? Where can they find it to, to look?
3: It's on Amazon Prime. And uh, if you don't have Prime, you can find it at RustyRevolver.com. It is, it is there. You um, It's like one of the three links, but the episode is, is live on the website
7: and
1: and it is www.rustyrevolver.com
7: Yes, and you can get the comic book on Amazon comicology website.
1: Yes, you can because I went checking it all out, so I know exactly where to go. And don't even don't even go there. I know what's running through your head, Anton. I I can I sense it over over the phone waves. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I am so thrilled to have had you on the show today. I do hope all of you will come back on the show again. I would love to have you.
5: Thank you. I mean, this yes, it would be fun.
1: I mean, this. Well, and you always have so many projects we can talk about, Vernon. Uh, <laughs> but I can't recommend this highly enough. This is, it it is. It's a bang bang shoot 'em up with heart and a whole lot of fun. Rusty revolver. Gentlemen, thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you much. and I will talk yes. to all of you again soon, I hope.
7: Let's do it. Absolutely. We all right, guys.
1: Love to. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
5: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: And that was the fabulous Paul Morrell writer-director Anton Troy, actor and star of Rusty Revolver, and Vernon Wells, actor and one of the stars of Rusty Revolver. Don't know what happened to Sterling Knight, uh, who was supposed to be calling in at the midpoint of the show. Um, I have reached out to the publicist, and so when you watch the video of the show, unless Lydia covers it up, with some inset images, you'll see me on my cell phone, which I'm not normally on during the show, um, trying to hunt down our other talent. But, what what can we say? We're live! So, hopefully we can reschedule Sterling for another show. Um, but, so, get ready for a star. We're going to save the other Coco Clips. Of course, we have more Coco clips, and I'm still doing Coco interviews uh, for award season. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to a fabulous animated film, The Breadwinner. I mentioned it briefly uh, about a month ago on the show. Congratulations to The Breadwinner. Just picked up the L.A. Film Critics Award for Best Animated Feature uh, over the weekend. I still say Coco is the Best Animated Feature of the Year, but... Uh, let's, get, let's give you know kudos where kudos are due. And The Breadwinner is truly a spectacular uh, story. It's adapted from the novel of the same name. Uh, and that's another one to catch, especially, especially over the holidays when uh, kids are out of school. Uh, it's a film you can see as a family. Kids can see it. Uh, some very serious thematics, but it's so well done. And it is told from the perspective of a young girl. Uh, as so many things today are, and of course, be on the lookout. Part of yes, part of yesterday's Star Wars experience wa- included, of course, merchandise. There is so much Last Jedi merchandise coming your way, people. Uh, I was very lucky and got a smattering. I got to look at a few things. The Invictus watches are absolutely gorgeous. Um, I didn't see the price tag on them. Something that will make great gifts for kids, taps into math and science from little bits. They now have, they have a deal with Lucasfilm and Disney. You can build your own droid. You can build your own R2-D2 with these kits. I'm so enamored with them. I'm going to buy one for me just because I want to do that. Um, Some really fun stuff like that. Intellectual stuff that's not toys. They do have the requisite toys, stuffed animals, T-shirts, games, pajamas for, you know, kids all the way up through adults. And, of course, your collectibles. um, Very kindly, they gave us some collectibles. And I'm very excited because I got the the classic black or black classic, the bright red Praetorian Guards, one of the new characters. And uh, I have to say, be on the lookout for BB-9. Our newest droid, BB-9. BB-9 is now my favorite. But that is all the time we have today. Hopefully we'll be able to find out what happened to Sterling Knight and get him rescheduled in the future to talk about different flowers. But until next week, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens.